How many of you brought your Bible this morning? Will you hold up the Bible all over the building? And I want to ask you to join me, if you will, in the Gospel of Luke this morning, chapter 17. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, page number 1099, if you have an old Schofield Bible. And I'll read some verses here in a moment. Then I'll ask you, if you will, just to leave your Bibles open. And uh, as we look around in this text a little bit this morning and try to find a good Thanksgiving truth for us today, all right? Luke, chapter 17. Let me uh, join with Brother Zach about the service tonight. I want to invite you to come back and be with us at 5.05 for prayer room and then 5.30 for the service tonight. We're looking forward to having a good time together, and I hope you'll pray maybe sometime between now we leave and get back, pray for the service tonight. And uh, if you're visiting, you're always welcome here at Woodland. Our little saying around here at Woodland, you're not just, you are, that's exactly right. Let's say it again because y'all didn't do that good, all right? At Woodland, you are... Wait a minute. I didn't do that one right. Okay, let's try it one more time. At Woodland, you're not just... You are... That's exactly right. A play on the W's there. So we would love for you to come back and be with us in our service again this evening, all right? Luke chapter 17, if you're there, would you say amen? All right, I want you to look this way, if you will. I must confess, I must confess that the Thanksgiving holiday has really slipped up on me out of nowhere this year. I mean, I've been taken by surprise over the fact that we are at Thanksgiving week. I had to look at my calendar twice this week just to be sure that Thanksgiving was next week. Just don't seem possible. I guess with the election and everything that's happened recently, uh, boy, it's just really time has just gotten away from us. So this week, despite of all that's happened recently in our nation, in our country, and despite all that's going on in a lot of the lives of God's people, we've got to somehow focus our attention uh, on, on Thanksgiving, giving thanks unto the Lord. I think that you'll agree with me when I say that one of the things that we're probably all running way behind on is thanking God for how good that He's been to us. In the midst of all that's happened in our world today, in the midst of an uncertain future, in the midst of a, a great time of disappointment, God is still good. Amen. And we still ought to thank Him for what He's done. Well, I had you open your Bible this morning to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, because in this chapter we run into a story about thanksgiving. It's really one of those miracles that Jesus performed while He was here on the earth. Now, we know, if you've read the Bible, especially the four Gospels, we know that Jesus performed a variety of different miracles while He was here on this earth. And some of the miracles that Jesus performed, He illustrated the fact that He had power over nature. He's in control of nature. I'm reminded of when those disciples were in that ship and they got out there on that, uh, that sea and that terrible storm, that Category 5 hurricane, came up. Now, those, those men were fishermen. They were experienced. They'd been on that sea a number of times before, but they were almost at a moment of panic, I mean, trying to save the boat. And Jesus was in the back of the boat asleep on a pillow. And finally, they woke him up, and when he woke up, he said three words, peace, be still. And then the Bible said this, there was a great calm. Aren't you glad that we serve a Savior that has power over nature today? Nothing is too hard for our Lord to do. But more often than not, Jesus performed miracles on people and for people. As we read through the four Gospels, we constantly run in to the Lord, uh, either feeding people or raising people or healing people or cleansing 
people, uh, as a tech, uh, the case of our text is here this morning. We read about a group of men who were cleansed by our Lord. So let me just stop now. Here's a Thanksgiving story tucked away right here in our Bible about giving thanks. So let's begin now in Luke 17. Let me begin reading with verse 11. The Bible said it came to pass as Jesus, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at the feet, at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, according to our text this morning, the Lord Jesus is on his way to the city of Jerusalem. This is the last time that he's ever, ever going to pass through this area. He's on his way to Jerusalem, and there he will fulfill his ultimate purpose for coming into the world, and that is to die upon the cross and to pay the sin debt for all of humanity. Well, while he's on his way up to the city of Jerusalem, he makes his way through a certain village in Samaria. And he encounters ten men with the ancient disease of leprosy. And the Bible said they begin to cry out to the Lord. And the Lord, in response to their cry, he miraculously, he uh, instantaneously, he freely cleanses them from this horrible disease. What a blessing. However, as wonderful as this story is, it kind of ends tragically because we'll read of these ten men that are cleansed only one of these men returns back to the Lord to say thank you for what he's done. Now, I again wanted to say we're way behind on thanking the Lord for what he has done. You know, I've said often in our services, maybe even in a Sunday morning service, but you know, maybe one of the reasons that you and I don't get the miracles that we often need in this walk of life is because we have forgotten to, uh, to, to thank the Lord for the miracles that we've already received in this walk of life. One of the reasons maybe that our prayers don't receive more answers is the fact that we haven't stopped and acknowledged uh, the, the prayers that have already received answers. So we're way behind on thanking the Lord. But as we look at this story this morning, we drift back in our minds in this text this morning and we find this miracle, uh, this miracle that Jesus did. But I think we also get a picture of ourselves. And so with that being said this morning, I just want to, if I may, I want to just explain this miracle by using three different thoughts. In just a moment, I want to talk about these ten, these ten unclean men. There's ten of them. And then I want to move secondly to this one unusual man, but then I want to talk about in closing these nine ungrateful men. All right, are you with me? Ten unclean, one unusual and nine ungrateful. So let's look at this text. First of all, if you look at verse 11 and 12, we, we meet these ten 
unclean men. Now we're told there in verse number 12 that these 10 men were lepers. Now we, uh, you know, they had the disease of leprosy and we don't hear much about leprosy anymore in our culture and in our society. When's the last time that maybe you met somebody or maybe a member of your family or even somebody you work with say, you know, I got the feeling bad. I went to the doctor and he runs some tests on me and they have diagnosed me with leprosy. I mean, we don't hear that much anymore in our culture and in our day. But can I tell you something? In the day of the Lord Jesus, leprosy was an actual disease. And it was not only an actual disease, it was a very horrible disease as well because leprosy was a terminal disease. Let me tell you this. If you came down with the disease of leprosy, it was lights out. You were going to die. Now, in our day, we talk about the dreaded word. You know, the C word being the cancer. Boy, I'll tell you what, we don't like to, for any of our loved ones, any of our friends, our fellow church members, we don't like to hear of anybody getting the dreaded C word diagnosis. But in the day of the Lord Jesus, it was not the dreaded C word that you feared. It was the dreaded L word. I'm talking about the disease of leprosy. Because once you got it, unless God divinely intervened and graciously and miraculously healed you and touched you, you were a goner. No doubt about it. Can I tell you this about leprosy? It was highly infectious and highly contagious in that day. It was the ancient coronavirus of our day. In fact, let me tell you this. Leprosy was such a contagious, deadly disease in the days of the Lord Jesus and in Bible days that God took three whole chapters of our Bible Leviticus 13, 14, and 15. God took a total of 149 different verses telling the nation of Israel about the disease of leprosy. God told them how to recognize it. God told them how to deal with it. And God told them how to deal with those who contracted the disease of leprosy. And since there was no cure for the disease of leprosy, I mean really the only thing the nation could do would be to isolate those who received or who came down with the disease of leprosy. They were isolated. Now in our day, we hear a lot about social distancing, don't we? Stay six feet apart. Whatever you do, don't get near. Our governor has lost his COVID mind because he has told us we can't have ten more than 10 people at our Thanksgiving meal. Now, we've only got 10 in our family, so we're stepping outside of our family to invite five more in just so we don't have to go along with what the governor said about it. We hear a lot in our day about staying apart, social distancing. But can I tell you something? In those days, if you came down with the disease of leprosy, the only people you could be around were people who, other people who had the disease of leprosy. There was social distancing going on anytime somebody came down with the disease of leprosy. You were isolated. Number two, you were separated. I mean by that, you were taken away from all that was familiar to you. You were taken away from your families. There were no more hugs with 
with your wife. No more kisses with your children. There would be no Thanksgiving meal if you had the disease of leprosy. There was no opening presents on Christmas morning. There was no more playing with the kids. People lost their jobs, lost their farms because they were not only isolated, they were separated if they came down with the disease of leprosy. But not only were they isolated and separated, they were totally frustrated by the disease of leprosy. Did you know this? If you came down with the disease of leprosy, you had to wear a face mask in those days. Because everywhere you went, if you were a leper, you had to place, I've got a black one here, but you had to place a white face mask over your lips. And everywhere you went, you had to give the verbal warning that you were in the midst by shouting, unclean, unclean warning those around you to flee away, get away from your presence because you had the disease of leprosy. I'm telling you, it was pitiful. When you came down with that, there was no hope. Well, I got to thinking about that. Here are these men. There are 10 of them, and they're sick. They're very sick. Their flesh is literally rottening away on their bodies. The disease of leprosy was an inward disease, but it had outward results. What I mean by that is leprosy was a disease that attacked your nerves in your body so you can no longer feel your extremities, your fingers, your feet, toes, whatever. So what would happen was you, would, you, you could get in, uh, cut on your finger or burnt on your finger and since you had, your nerves had been affected, you couldn't feel it, then infection would set in. And that infection would begin to literally eat away at the extremities of your flesh until literally it was rottening on your bones. I'm telling you, death was coming. There was no hope. It was over. You were going to die a horrible, agonizing death and be completely separated from all those who loved you. But into this very tra sad and tragic situation stepped our Savior. Aren't you glad we got a Savior who will step into the midst of our very bad and tragic situation? Hey, I'm glad he don't run from us. I'm glad he comes to us when things run amok in our life and, and things happen and tragedies comes and sickness comes and disease comes. Aren't you glad we got a Savior that don't flee from us, but he runs toward us and helps us in that situation. Well, before this story is over, Jesus has stepped in to this situation and not one or two of them, not four or five of them, not seven or eight of them, but all ten of these men were cleansed from their leprosy. All ten Ten of these men have been given a brand new life. All ten of these men have received a second chance. Jesus did that for all ten of these men. And if you know anything about your Bible, you know in the Bible that leprosy is a picture of sin. You know the problem with sin is that it is an inward disease an inward problem with outward results. Am I right about that? We're born sinners, and after we're born sinners, we choose to become sinners later on. And because of that sin, the inward problem of our heart, our heart is desperately wicked before God. And because of that, we see what is going on outwardly in the lives of so many people. Just like leprosy, sin separates people. It separates man from God, and it separates man from man. How many men today are 
are separated from, from their wives because of some sin that's happened. Or how many wives are separated from their husbands because of some sin that has happened. How many children across our state and nation cried themselves to sleep last night because sin has entered their family and divided and destroyed their mama or their daddy. I'm telling you, sin still separates today. And the ultimate separation that sin brings as if a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, if they die without doing something about their sin, they'll be eternally separated from God forever and forever. But aren't you glad into that sad and terrible situation? Steps our Savior. He left heaven, came into this world, died on an old rugged cross so he could pay the debt for our sin so we don't have to die separated from God. Boy, good news, good news, good news. Jesus is passing by this morning and he can help you in the situation of your life. Do you ever notice in the Bible that leprosy is never spoken of in terms of being healed? It's never spoken of in terms of being cured. It's always spoken of in terms of being cleansed. You know, that tells me something about sin. Sin is not healed. If you're lost this morning, you don't need healing. If you're lost this morning, you don't need curing. What you need if you're lost this morning, you need to be cleansed. And aren't you glad there is a divine detergent called the blood of Jesus Christ that can lift out the deep-rooted stains of sin? Thank God the blood can still cleanse from sin this morning. I heard about this old boy that uh, heard this Christian. He was talking about being washed in the blood. And he went up to this guy and he kind of asked him sarcastically. He said, how in the world can blood cleanse sin? Well, the Christian man was taken back just a little bit and he thought for just a moment. He said, sir, let me ask you, how in the world can water quench thirst? The man said, I don't know, but it does. And the Christian man said, I don't know how blood cleanses from sin. I don't know, but it does. And aren't you glad? All these many years later, the blood has never lost its power. It's just as potent today as it's ever been. And if you'll come to Jesus this morning, the same cleansing these men received is the same cleansing that you can receive. I'm talking about the ten unclean men. But let's move next in our story from the ten unclean men. I get that. I see in those ten unclean men, I meet myself right there. Because that's what I am in the sight of God. I'm unclean. But next we move from these ten unclean men to this one unusual man. Because we're told in this text there in verse number 14 that Jesus said to these ten men, they're crying out. I mean, man, they're, in the, they're at a point of desperation. And they begin to cry out in verse number 14 uh, to the, uh, verse 13, Master, Jesus, Master, have mercy. Aren't you glad he'll have mercy upon us? Have mercy upon us. And when Jesus saw them, the Bible said he said to them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. Now, wait a minute. We know according to Old Testament law that a man did not go show himself to the priest until he was cleansed from his leprosy. Here are these men, they've still got it. Jesus said, hey, go show yourself to the priest. In an act of faith, in obedience to what Jesus said, they go, and verse number 14 says, as they go, 
they were cleansed. Can't you see these old ten boys? I mean, they, Jesus said, hey, they said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy. Jesus said, hey, just go show yourself to the priest. And these ten men said, he said, go show. One of them said, but according to Old Testament law, we got to be cleansed before. Another one said, just, just, just do what he says. And they take off toward the priest. And as they take off toward the priest, they look down and voila, it's gone. One of them looks at his hand and he said, hey guys, wait a minute, check it out. They said, what's wrong? He said, look man, it's gone. And my, my leprosy is cleansed. And, and the other guy starts feeling of his face and, and, and he looks at his feet and he said, mine too. And all ten of them said, good night, the leprosy is gone. And they all ten continue to head toward the priest except for one of them. One of them turns back. Look at verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. One of the ten looks at the other and says, My guys, y'all go ahead if you want to. And they said, well, where are you going? He said, I got to go back. I got to thank him for what he's done for me. And the Bible said in verse number 15 that he turned back and began to thank God for what he had done for him. Now I'm talking about thanksgiving. And as I look at our text this morning, I see two ways, two ways, this one, the one unusual man that used to be a part of the ten unclean men, I see how he went back and the Bible said there in verse 16, he was giving him thanks. Two ways he gave him thanks. First of all, look at verse 15. Number one, verbally he gave him thanks. Look at verse 15. The Bible said that when he, uh, he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a, what's the next two words? Loud voice. Loud voice. He glorified God. He turned back verbally with a loud voice and he glorified. He thanked the Lord for what God had done for him. Now you don't have to believe me what I'm about to tell you. It is really amazing. But if you take your strong concordance and look up loud, the word loud, and the word voice in verse 15 of Luke 17. The word loud means this. It means mega like large, like huge, mega. And the word voice is the same word for our English word phone. So I really can read verse 15 like this. He turned back and with a megaphone, he glorified God. I mean, he lifted his voice to the high heavens. I tell you, bless your heart, I know things are bad. I get it. I'm just as disappointed, frustrated, discouraged, fed up as you are. But can I tell you something? When we drag ourselves into the house of God and we start singing, living by faith, and I mean, we ought to be singing to the top of our lungs. I mean, glorifying God. Hey, when it comes testimony time, somebody ought to hit the floor, stand up and say with a loud voice, I used to be a leper, but thank God through the blood, he's cleansed me and glorify God for what the Lord has done for us. Verbally glorifying God, verbally thanking God. By the way, can I tell you something? That's scriptural. 
The Bible said to let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I kind of got it in my mind. We're living in the quietest world we're ever going to live in. I think when we get to heaven, those of us that are saved, and we walk through the gate of heaven into heaven itself, and we see Jesus, and we see heaven, and we see our loved ones, I think we're going to be more than a little vocal, glorified God for the fact we get to spend eternity there. There ought to be a, a verbal thanksgiving. He didn't go to Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you. He didn't go to Jesus and kind of offer up a silent word of prayer. I mean as loud. I probably, people probably stop and say, what is that guy doing? Hey, I want to tell you something, friend. I tell you, we ought to be verbal in our thanksgiving to the Lord. But not only did he give thanks verbally, Look again in our text, verse 16. He, give, he gave thanks visibly. Look at verse 16. The Bible said that he fell down on his face at the feet of Jesus. You know, some here's this old boy. I mean, I, he's shouting the high heavens. Tears probably coursing down his cheeks because Jesus passed by his way, cleansed him from this disease of leprosy. And the Bible said that he fell down at his feet giving him Thanks. Whatever you might want to say about this old boy, the one thing you've got to say about him, he sure is grateful for what the Lord has done for him. You know, I can be accused of a lot of things, and I'm guilty of most of the things that I could be accused of. But I tell you something I never want to ever be accused of and, and, and really be guilty of is stopping people from coming to this altar getting on their face before God and saying, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. You know something? We all ought to just from time to time. I tell people, don't be mad at me here. And if you are, it's fine. I love you anyway. Come up to me after church. Apologize. I forgive you if you get mad at me about what I'm about to say. But can I tell you something? I, I, it don't bother me when people constantly run to the altar. I get that. You know, I have to come to the altar myself. You know, we have revival meetings usually every night or so. I'm, I'm laying on the altar because I get convicted. But you know what bothers me is people don't ever come to the altar. And I don't mean like I'm saying you're a bad person. But I mean every once in a while we ought to just pick everything up we got and bring it up here and just say, Lord, I didn't come to ask for nothing. I just come to say thank you. Lord, I, I don't deserve anything I've got. I ought to be in hell with my back broke. God, I don't deserve nothing. But here I am. I, I mean, I've got a halfway decent life. I've got a home to go to. I've got a family to love on. I've got possessions. I've got a car to ride in. I've got clothes to wear and food to eat. I've got a roof over my head and covers to cover up with at night. I didn't come, Lord, to ask for anything. I just come up here just to say, thank you, Lord. I mean, I could be off somewhere with my mind blown on crack. Hey, I could, my kids could be off somewhere. I don't even know where they are. My marriage could be destroyed all to pieces. Hey, I'm telling you something. We're way behind. Every once in a while, we ought to be like this boy and just run back and say, y'all go if you want to, but I got to get back over there. I got to just get at his feet and say, Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. Well, I'll tell you why. I know it's bad. I get all that. I'm just like you. But somehow in the midst of all this, let us just realize we sure do have a lot to be thankful for. Amen. Amen. We got 10 unclean men. I'm there. 
We got one unusual, one out of the ten, went back and said, Lord, thank you. And now we've got nine ungrateful men. You see, look at our story, verse 17. By the way, at verse 16, the one that came to turn back to give thanks, we're told, was a Samaritan. Have you ever thought about Samaritans? I, I know, I get it. They were termed by the people of those days as half-breeds because what happened was after the northern captivity went off into, uh, the northern kingdom went off into captivity, the Assyrians, the Assyrians and the Israelites started mixing marriages. They started mingling together. So they produced a half-Jew, half-Gentile kind of a person. And the Jews thought they were racially, they were racially dirty people. And so they referred to them as Samaritans. They were called Samaritans. Jews had no dealings with those Samaritans because they considered them to be a racially impure people. But have you ever thought about Samaritans in the New Testament? I thought about that woman in John chapter 4 at the Jacob's well. She was a, married five times, living with number six. And yet, she came to Jesus and got a drink of eternal, everlasting water and never thirsted again. Remember that story about the guy that left Jerusalem heading down to Jericho and he fell among thieves? And the priest and the Levite passed by on the other side of that road. But about that time, come a good Samaritan down the road on ditch patrol. <laughs> Aren't you glad we got a Savior on ditch patrol? I don't know about you, but where he found me was that was in the gutter. Many of you he found in the gutter. But I'm glad. Thank God he deals with those that are in the gutter. He's on death. Thank God for the good Samaritan. And now we read right here in this story about another one of these Samaritans. Evidently, these nine people that didn't return to give God thanks were Jewish people. Only one of them was a Samaritan person. And the Bible said he went back to give God thanks. But if you look down there at verse number 17, Jesus, while he's laying at the feet of Jesus and he's crying, he's probably got the snow. Thank, thank, thank you, Lord. Thank, thank. Jesus said, uh, hey, was there not 10 of y'all? And he said, yeah. yes, Lord. Jesus said, not Jesus didn't say that. He said that. Sorry. Jesus said, where's the other nine of y'all? Where are the nine? One, only one, came back to thank God. I don't know what all you may get out of that, but maybe only one out of every ten of us are thanking God like we ought to. I don't know. But I know one thing. One of them went back. Until I tell you something, this one got what the other nine didn't get. You say, what do you mean? Well, look down at verse 19. The Bible said, the, and by the way, verse 7 to 18 says that Jesus called him a stranger, so we know he's outside of the nation of Israel. So the Jews who understood the law of God, religious people, they didn't have time to go back and thank Jesus. This one old Samaritan, I mean, probably had no concept of the law of God. He's the one that goes back and says, Jesus... Thank you. Boy, is that not, does that not convict us? Look at verse 19. And Jesus said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. The other 
9, they got cleansed. This guy not only got cleansed, he got converted. Listen, he, he didn't get saved because he'd come back and thank Jesus. I, I don't want you to think, man, you mean all I got to do is just look up and say, thank you, Jesus, and that makes me saved? No, sir. I, I don't want to trick you. But I will tell you this. Nobody's saved by saying thank you. But everybody that gets saved will say thank you. And the Bible said this old boy turned back, gave God thanks. And the Bible said in verse 19 what it was that saved him was his faith. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Can I tell you this? I don't want to be a part of that ungrateful crowd. I don't want to be a part of that crowd. I quoted this verse in the early service. I had a lot more to say, but I'm going to be done. But I quoted this verse in the earlier service, and it goes something like this, and it's Isaiah 1.3. And I think I'm quoting it like verbatim, but it says this. It says, The ox knows his owner, and the ass, speaking of the donkey, his master's crib. But my people doth not know. My people doth not consider. Isn't that amazing? God said even the dumb donkeys every once in a while will look up and lick the hand of the one who's feeding it. The dumb ox every once in a while will look up and lick the hand of the one who's providing the provender for it. The animals every once in a while will say thank you. But my people, God said, doth not know. My people doth not consider. I don't want to be a part of that last crowd. I want to be a part of that crowd that with a loud voice glorifies God. When's the last time you thanked Him? I don't do this as a game, but when I leave our house in the morning, especially when I'm by myself, but when I leave our house in the morning, and I guess I challenge myself to thank God from the driveway of my house to the time I get to Highway 52. Don't ask for nothing. Don't, don't, don't beg for nothing. Just thank Him. And from, from our driveway to Highway 52, and it takes about, I don't know, five minutes maybe. I don't know. But I try to challenge myself. Don't, don't ask. Just thank. Don't you think every once in a while we come, ought to come to the altar? Don't ask. Just think. I want to be a part of that one unusual crowd. Amen. I want our church to be like that. There is nothing wrong. I've had people tell me before. I remember years ago, and I'm done. i got to shut up. But we had a lady in our church, and many of you will remember, so I won't call her name, but she used to really scare people when she shouted. Y'all remember who I'm talking about now? She's peeled the paint off that wall over there a time or two. And so I, I didn't want to act like I was, it bothered me. So I tried to see where she sat at before service. So I, I was ready for it. You know, when she would, I had a family one time that come to me and they were upset about that lady shouting. And they just said to me, preacher, if you don't do something about that, we're going to leave this church. And I said, well... I hate y'all got to go. I ain't trying to stop that. We're too far behind on that. 
And we have a verse in our Bible that says, God inhabits the praises of his people. So if you want to shout, shout on. It ain't going to bother me. Our church has always been a vocal church in its worship. And I don't, I'm not trying to quench that. I'm trying to put some gas on it. Amen? Because he is certainly worthy of every once in a while a thank you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the story this morning.